You're listening to a sermon from Plus Life, a church that exists to see lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our prayer is that you will be stirred in your heart and renewed in your mind as you hear the preaching of God's word today. Well, tell someone the title of the sermon this morning, Stewards of God's Grace. Stewards of God's Grace. Well, Pastor Ian and family wish that they could be here this morning, but unfortunately, uh, they're feeling a little under the weather, uh, so they can't be here with us this morning. Uh, So let's, as a church, uh, be sure to keep uh, their health in prayer as they uh, have a a quick recovery. Let's pray for that. Um, And uh, so it's our responsibility to do that. This morning, we are going to be continuing uh, our, our sermon series, Ecclesia where we as a church are stepping through uh, uh, reinforcing the the responsibilities of being a member of the church. And so to be part of the church is to be a people who who are set apart, who are different from the world, to be distinctive, to be different from the norm. And our faith is what does that. It makes us authentic. It makes us different. And those who are are part of the church have this undeniable responsibility to do that. We are called to be authentic Christians. We are called to be the real deal. Now, how many ladies in here have uh, jewelry, a piece of jewelry? Uh, and I'm talking about like the real deal, the real stuff, you know, not, not, not the fake stuff that you get, you know, uh, the, the real deal. Well, you see, when it comes to jewelry, uh, there, is this, there, there is something, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with it, guys. Let me uh, teach you a thing or two, two about jewelry uh, for those who are getting married, you know, getting the engagement rings. Uh, typically, in a jewelry box, you're going to find the item, whether it's a, a, a bracelet or it's a ring, whatever piece of jewelry. And then at the bottom of that box, you're going to find the certificate. It's a, a certificate of authenticity. It's to prove that the jewelry is, is real, that it's authentic. And so my question to you this morning, church, is what, it, what is it about us that makes us authentic? What is it about us uh, that validates our faith in Christ Jesus? Are we the real deal when it comes to our faith? And we started to take a look into this series about uh, those things that set us apart as believers, as church members. And the first thing we learned about was pursuing the Lord, right? We learned about how church members are expected to pursue Christ and how we need to submit our whole counsel to God's word, having a spiritually disciplined lifestyle. And then Last week, right, we secondly, we looked at holiness. We looked at holiness under grace. And thanks to Pastor Josiah, who covered that topic last week. We are called to, as members, expected to live worthy of God's calling, crucifying our flesh in a pursuit of holiness in all aspects of life, putting sinful thoughts and deeds to death and focusing on things that are godly. And now this morning, as we continue this this series, uh, we come to the topic of stewardship. To be a people who embody ecclesia is to be a people who steward. We are called to be a people who steward resources to the glory of God. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about that. C.S. Lewis once said, every faculty you have, every power of thinking or moving your limbs from moment to moment is given to you by God. And if you devoted every moment of your life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was already not his. 
In other words, as Christians, we are to steward everything that God has given to us by God. And so if I went and asked you the question, what does stewardship mean to you? And I've asked this question before. What does stewardship look like in your lives today? We're going to get all kinds of different answers. Right? Do you think about finances? Do you think about you know, mission initiatives that we're doing? Do you think about the environment and how we're supposed to take care of the environment? All these ideas and much more are all part of what it means to be a steward. But they don't paint a complete biblical picture of what stewardship means. And we can often get stewardship confused with the idea and the principle of tithing at times, too. And so, unfortunately, many Christians today only associate the idea of stewardship with church budgets, church programs, church building programs. And the the reality is stewardship is much more larger than that. From Genesis to Revelation, we see stewardship all around. It is rooted in creation, and it is highlighted throughout the Bible, and it influences the way that we live our lives. When the New Testament describes and defines what it means to be a steward in Christ, it's really describing this word stewardship and how uh, we we, um, steward our resources is really the greatest concern of biblical stewardship. The Greek word oikonomia is transliterated in English to economy, but the English translation of the word is stewardship. And so these two terms go hand in hand with one another when we see them throughout the New Testament. In the ancient world, right, there was, there was a person who was given the authority to rule over the affairs of the household. This was the steward. For example, Joseph in the Bible, right, he became a steward over Potiphar's house. He had to manage everything that he was given, and he, was to, he had the authority to rule uh, over that house, and he was to manage that household well. He, he wasn't to re- waste any of the resources of that family, but to make wise decisions. And so that's an example of stewardship, but it was not something that just came out of ancient Greece or it wasn't something that was invented by the Egyptians during Joseph's time. Stewarding comes from the, uh, 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 the, the principle of stewardship, sorry, is rooted in creation. Now, we're not going to be this morning, I'm not going to be boiling the ocean on the topic of stewardship uh, in that way, but for the sake of today's sermon, this morning, we're going to be focusing in, honing in strictly on stewardship when it comes to the responsibility as church members. And so my goal this morning, church, is to show you from Scripture what stewardship is and how we can have a renewed understanding of how Christ fits into this topic, and I pray that you would understand Biblical stewardship is one of the primary ways in which Christ has called us to live our life. And my desire is for you to see, to be good stewards of God's grace when it comes to church attendance, when it comes to fellowship, when it comes to meetings, when it comes to events, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your spiritual gifts. We are to steward all these things to the glory of God. And so let's get to it. I want to dive right into the text. Someone say, jump. All right, it's going to be a little bit more topical today. We're going to learn some things that will teach us some principles for us and what's the foundation of what we're learning. And so we find it in the context of our passage, verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for uh, for yourselves treasures on earth. And now if you were to read this more literally in the Greek, it would go, do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. And so here's the question this morning. What are we treasuring? 
What are the things that we are going after? What are the things that are most important for us? It says, do not treasure for yourselves treasures on earth. Huh. I struggle with that. I struggle with the things that I think that are mine, the thing that I think that I've earned, the things that I think that I've bought, and sometimes it's not in a good way. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. The bottom line is this, church. Everything we have on this earth is going away. Our most prized possessions from this world, they're not following us to our grave. You don't get to take it with you when you die. They put you in a box. They put you in the ground. You're not going to take your most prized possessions with you to eternity. So why do we treasure this stuff so much? Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. In 92, they did a study in the States, and they asked people... How much would it take for you to have the American dream? And so they asked people who are making $25,000, how much would it take for you uh, to, to, to have the American dream? And they said it would take $52,000, so basically twice that. And then they asked people who are making $100,000, how much would it take for you to have the American dream? And they said, huh, $192,000. If I just had $192,000, that would be enough to have the American dream. And basically what everyone is saying at the bottom line is, if I had twice as much as what I had right now, I would be satisfied. If I had twice as much as I had right now, it would be enough. If I had just a little bit more, it would be enough. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. 1 Timothy 6, 6 says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. You see, if you get your relationship with God right, if you are satisfied with what he is doing in your life because he is doing it, that is great gain. Don't lay up for yourselves. In verse 20 of our passage, it says, We're not, we're, we're, Neither moth nor rust destroy where thieves do not break in and steal. You see, the heavenly treasure we invest in today, it outlasts. It's incorruptible. We don't get pleasure out of them maybe now. We don't get enjoyment out of those treasures now, but it's far greater. In verse 21, it says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Huh. It's interesting. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There's a phrase that goes like that. I don't know if you heard this phrase before. It goes like this. Show me your checkbook, and I'll show you what you believe about God. That's a powerful thing. I mean, no one has a checkbook anymore. We all, uh, many of us do it online. But you, you get what I'm saying. You get the point of what I'm saying. Show me your financials. Show me your monthly online statement. You show me where your money is going, and I will show you what you think about God. Because where your treasure is going, that's where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. And so think about that in the context of your life and the things that you value. Because what you treasure speaks directly to what you think about God. And what your treasure, uh, and, and, and what your treasure says how much you value God in your life. The most generous thing, the most generous, selfless thing that was done for us was God giving his son 
to us, the most generous gift that was ever made, the most generous offer that was ever put out there for man, the greatest form of generosity was God giving us what we did not deserve in Jesus Christ. He poured it on us lavishly. And many of you in this room have trusted um, Jesus as your, your Lord and Savior. And it's, Lord, what have you done for me? We remembered it on on. Uh, you know, Good Friday, and we thought about Christ's death, and we remembered it on Easter, right? About the resurrection, the receipt of all that God did for us, and all that generosity was poured out on us. What do you treasure, church? Do you treasure that? Or do you treasure your stuff? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And if you're here this morning and you've never put your faith and trust in Christ, and let me tell you, the greatest act of generosity was the gift of the Son, the one who prayed, paid the price so that you can have eternal life by grace alone, through faith. And maybe today you've come to the realization that your priorities are not in check, that perhaps you're not the follower of Christ that you thought you, you were or you pro proclaimed to be, Understand that stewardship of God's love in Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Jesus Christ, the gift is available to you. When we talk about stewardship in this message and what we do with it, we take all the things that hang on the truth of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Do you treasure that? Or do you treasure your investments? Do you treasure your paycheck, your house, your car, your toys. And if you're really honest, those things get bent out of shape when they become the priority and we're finding it in the wrong place. So here's the, we, we want to have a foundation, church. And so here's the first thing when it comes to stewardship. To steward is a matter of surrender. To steward is a matter of surrender. It begins with that vertical relationship. You're never going to be a truly generous person if you keep holding on to things. And it's a matter of surrender. What compels us? Stewardship is an act of worship. As we give, as we are generous with people, it needs to start with understanding who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. And so we give lavishly and we give generously to the Lord. Newsflash, it's all his anyways. It's all of it. You don't own anything. You're, you're a manager. You're a steward. It's all God's. God is on the throne. God is king. And we are the servant. It's all his. And we're called to be a people who surrender because it all belongs to him. First Chronicles 29.11 says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you, you are exalted as head above. You see, everything is his. Here are some other passages you can, you can write down, you can dot, jot down. I'm not going to read through all these ones, um, but these are passages that support that everything belongs to the Lord. Haggai 2.8, Psalm 24.1, and Psalm 50.10 and 11. Children of God, we need to learn in stewardship 
we need to start with the surrender uh, uh, and, and surrender our understanding. It's all God's. It all starts with this right vertical relationship with him. And verse 24 of our passage says, you cannot serve God and money. Hmm. I thought he would have said, you know, you can't serve God and the devil. Like, just make it two extremes. Uh, but that's not what he says. He's bringing it right down to what the people would have understood. You cannot serve God and your stuff. The word money is actually more narrow than it really is in the Greek. It's really everything you have, your possessions. You can't serve God and your stuff. And so I've got to come to this place of understanding that it's all God's. It's all his, and I'm the manager. I'm the steward of it. God is on the throne, and I'm the servant. Lord, help us understand that. And it's so countercultural to everything that we hear in our society today. They're just like, oh, well, I got the ownership papers. Uh, the mortgage just closed, and I've got this, and I've got that, and I've got this. And it all belongs to him, church. So how do we surrender? Teach me, God, to surrender. Does anyone know that Bible verse, uh, the money, money is the root of all evil? Trick question. That's not a Bible verse. That's not a Bible. I got, I got some people in there. They're like, oh. No, it's not a Bible verse. Um, <clears throat> you may have been told that's a Bible verse, but uh, here's what the Bible has to say. 1 Timothy 6.10. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of stuff is the root of all kinds of evil. When we get our eyes off of who owns it, because, you know, it, it's, it, that can cause all kinds of pain for us because we start taking a hold of it. We start thinking that it is ours. And, uh, you know, we get into that wrong mindset. We have to start with the matter of surrender, like I said. Everything I have is the Lord's. I'm a manager. I'm a steward of what God has entrusted to me. Now, here's the second point. Here's the second thing. The steward is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. This is the inward part where we need to reflect, and it's a motivation of laying up treasures. Do you know that Jesus said, uh, he, he, he talked about money more than any other topic in the Bible, more than even heaven and hell combined? More words in the New Testament about money than heaven or hell combined. Why? Because these are things that so overwhelm us and they take hold of us. And we need more warnings about this than heaven and hell. It's so interesting. It's an important subject. Because until God gets a hold of your wallet, he doesn't have your heart. At least that's the way you demonstrate he has your heart because he has a hold of your wallet, your stuff, your things, and it's a matter of my heart. 1 Corinthians 4.2 says, Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. Everything that we have, God is calling us to be found faithful. Here's another verse, 2 Corinthians 9.6.7. It says, The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Stewardship starts with the right surrender of ourselves and starts with the right heart for all that God has had and how we're going to use that uh, internal decision. And then the third thing is this. The third thing is to steward is a matter of obedience. Stewardship is a matter of obedience. 
And this is the part where, you know, it works out the needs that we see around us. It's the fulfilling of laying up those treasures for yourself here on earth. How does that stuff that I have, how does the stuff that God has blessed me with, how is that to be used further for his kingdom? How is that going to be used to bless people in my church, my fellow members? 1 John 3.17 says, But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? That's a great question. That is a great question. You see the needs around you and you ignore them. How is God's love demonstrated in you, church? And yes, we do have the benevolent fund, the church fund, or, or love fund. We do have that, but that's not a crutch to fall on. You have a personal responsibility to your fellow brother, to your fellow sister in the Lord, to see. To see the needs that they have. And really support them. Really support them in their need. In James 1.27, it says, God's love is demonstrated by meeting the needs of those around us. He goes on in chapter 2, verse 15 to 17, by saying, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things that needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. That's what many of us say at times, right? Go in peace, be warmed, filled without giving them things needed for their body. What good is that? And so if someone comes to you, church, in need, and you can meet that need, and you're going to be that, oh, I'll pray for you, brother. If you're going to be on that plan, what good is that? We need to pray. But it comes with action. If we can meet the needs of our fellow members, let's do that. The needs of people in our Plus Life community, the needs of people in your church, the needs of people who are in our neighborhoods. How can God use it? It's not ours anyway. It all belongs to him. So how am I managing it? How am I stewarding it? How is it being used for God and his glory? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. In the area of stewardship, there are three T's. I like to call them the three T's that can help us remember. And everything that we need needs to be considered under these three words. Everything that God has entrusted to us. And so here's the first thing. It's not going to be on the screen, but three T's. It's a tool. Number one, everything that God has entrusted to us is a tool. It all belongs to the Lord. It's all a tool used for his glory. Everything is a tool. Here's the next thing. Everything we have is a test. Everything you have is a test from the Lord. It's a test of your faithfulness and dependence on God. It's a test to see who you love and who you are loyal to. Everything I have is a test. It's a tool to be used for God's glory. Everything I have is a test to demonstrate what I have is not my own. It's the Lord's. It's to be used for his fame, for his glory. And here's the third T. If Everything you have is a trademark. You know, if I, if I brought the swoosh here or that, that check mark, you'd know exactly what that is. That is Nike. If I brought you a Coke can, you'd know that that's Coca-Cola. You know, the Toronto Maple Leafs logo. Uh, may they win this year. Uh, if you see that trademark, you're going to know that that's for that team. 
Because it all represents something. It all represents what they are. And everything you have is a trademark of what you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. People look at us. What do they see? Do they see us as people who are holding on to what we have, uh, grudgingly moving forward? Or they, do they see us as people who are lavishly caring upon one another, who are spurring each other up in love to good deeds? Stewardship is a matter of obedience because everything you have is a tool. Everything you have is a test. Everything you have is a trademark of who Jesus Christ is. And so what does that look like today, church? What would generosity and good stewardship look like in the followers of Jesus Christ in 2022? And I want to get really practical here. And as I do that, I want to read a few verses in Proverbs. And you can write these references down and consider them as you consider the implications of this message. But here's the first one, Proverbs 11, 24, 25. It says, one gives freely yet grows all the richer. Another withholds and he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and whoever and who waters will himself be watered. And then in 22.9, it says, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Then in 28.22, it says, a stingy man hastens wealth and does not know that poverty will come upon him. And 28.27 says, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. Now we're going to look at four words in just a minute and consider what does giving for the follower of Jesus Christ, what does stewardship look like? And when the world thinks of generosity, the world does some of these things, and when they think of generosity, it often goes beyond these four things, and it gets into a little bit of a different kind of, of motivation, right? I'm going to be motivated to be generous because if I do, there's going to be acknowledgement of what I do. And so I do my thing and so that my name goes on a plaque or, or I do what I do so I could stand up with the picture of my name. My name is on the check that I gave this money to this thing. And so generosity can become very selfish, and it can become very self-centered. But we're not talking about that. We're called to a different standard, church. We're talking about things that motivate us to be generous, things that motivate us to be good stewards. And so how can we be generous followers of Christ? Some people are generous just hoping that it's going to bring them closer to God. You know, if I just help the poor, you know, if I just do that thing, God will look down upon me and smile and for what I did. Hey, all the good works in the world will not save you, church. All the good works will not save you. So don't be generous in the sense of, oh, won't God think I'm something? It's, it's his anyway, like I said. Everything is his. It's not even yours to start with. It's all his. So we need to be generous. Because that, it, it doesn't get us into a relationship with God. We are generous because of who God is and what he has done for us. That's directly tied to stewardship. And so here's four ways in which we can do that. First of all, and you've probably heard this before, be generous with your time. Be generous with your time, not wasting it, prioritizing it, redeeming it. Ephesians 5, uh, 15 to 16 says, all of it belongs to the Lord. 
All of it. So you got to make use of your time because all the days are evil. So church, guard carefully where your time is. What is sucking up so many hours of your life? Is it social media? Is it the reels? Do you get sucked into those reels? Is it YouTube? Is it Netflix? Is it other things? Is it, are, you, are you focused on, sc- on school too much? Is school an idol in your life? Is it taking away from you attending church? What is sucking up so many hours of your life? Are you making an effort, giving your time to the Lord? And yet we always say, oh, we're so busy. We're so busy. I don't have time. And shame on me for some of my thoughts on how I thought I was so busy sometimes. God help us. It's all his. Every hour of every day. Every hour is his. How are we using it for his honor? How are we using it for his glory? Be generous with your time. Secondly, be generous with your talents. The abilities that God has given you. Some of that might be in the giftedness God has given to every believer, right? We all have spiritual gifts. Every believer has a gift. And we got to be using that, serving the church. But even the talents that you have, some of you guys... Some of you guys have abilities that just blow my mind away. You got to use it for the Lord. Don't just, you know, hide it under a bushel. How are we using the talents God has given us for his glory? How are we using them to further his kingdom? How are we using it to demonstrate generosity in our world? With the gifts and the talents that we have. How could the thing that God has enabled you be used in plus life to catapult us as a church forward? There's needs all over, church. As we grow, the, need gets, the needs get greater. Do you know that before we, we had service today, there was a group of people here that were praying for, for the service. We firmly believe in the power of prayer. Are you someone who prays? If not, you could be, and you could join us. Why not? Why don't you join one of our, you know, one of the teams here? Do you know how powerful it is to know, to understand while we're here, God is working in our people. And people have been praying, and God has been answering our prayers. The people that show up here, it's no fluke that we're here this morning. It's because of prayer. The only thing I could explain about how God is working in the way he is at Plus Life is all him and his grace, and he is doing it. People have walked out of here, church, forgiven. Why? Because we are praying. We are praying, and God is working. And you might say, oh, well, I don't have time to pray. Well, after service, I'm going to be at the front here. And all you have to say is, I'm in. I'm in. And that's not the only time you should be praying. You're right, but it's a great time to start. How about serving in connections? 
You have to understand God does things that even I don't even understand in this place. The teams and the volunteers that we have here are generous with their time. They're stewarding their time for God's glory. Are you giving out what God has given you in terms of your talents, your time? Be generous with your time. Be generous with your talents. And then ready for the last one. Be generous with your treasures. Be generous with your treasures. Sorry, this was the third one. This is not just about money, but all the things that God has given to us. And I've used money a lot as an illustration. How do I know that I love things more than I should? I have some indicators here. Five things to consider. You're spending more than you're taking in, right? You have a wrong view of treasures. You're going after things that shouldn't be yours. You're coveting. You're going after in, uh, them in a way that doesn't honor the Lord. And so you ask yourself the question, why? Why are you spending more than you're taking in? Why am I coveting? Is there a self-control issue there where your treasure is? That's where your heart is also. So how do I know if I love money and things more than I should? Here's another one. You have guilt about where your money and your stuff comes from. Deals made, corners cut, integrity in question. I know I love my money more than I should if I have guilt about where my stuff comes from. Here's another one. I know I love money or things more than I should if I want what I want more than I want uh, when I want what I know God wants. Uh, that was confusing to say, but I know what God wants. I'm going to hold on to it because I think it's mine. I'm not going to give it to him because he deserves it. Here's another thing. I know I have a love of money or things that I should if it bothers me when the call of offering happens. Now, we don't have a call of offering anymore. We used to. But at many churches, they still do. Like, people would say, oh, couldn't they just do it without announcing it? So that I, I don't have to be reminded every week that I'm more about my stuff than what God has done. And here's the last one. You have a wrong view of money or things when you think about the minimums instead of the maximums of what I should give or surrender. It's not just about money. Again, it's about talent. It's about time. It's about your stuff. But hey, if, if you're one of those people who say, how can I, uh, you know, how little can I give? It's not a, it's not a good place to be. And start, instead of starting with your minimums, start with your maximums. We get this idea of 10%, right? 10% is God's and everything else is ours. That is a bad teaching. That is a really bad teaching. It's not from the Lord. You see, we read so many scriptures. It's all the Lord's. There are requirements in the Old Testament, and there is that Old Testament tithing principle. I'm, I'm willing to accept that. But let's go there for a minute, right? I've never heard anyone talk to me about tithing as a problem who isn't doing it already. They're already giving 2%, 3%, or 4%. I've never met anyone who is giving 15% and is against that. It's usually people who are struggling in their heart, finding a way to justify what they're doing or not doing. No, no, no. It's all his. It's all his. So start our financials that way. Start with God giving 
get, getting 100% of everything I make and make a budget based off of that. Make the house you live based off of that. Make the way you spend based off of that and you'll see you'll have no problem with 10%. See, I believe the elders here believe 10% is the starting place for obedience. We believe that's where we start. Then we talk about generosity and stewarding our resources for the Lord over and above. What has God allowed us to have? See, I don't believe that, you know, if you're making $100 a week, that you're supposed to write out a check for $80 a week to the church. Because you got to pay your bills. you got to take care of your family. you got to do all those things, and it comes out of your pay. But God has to come first. God has to come first. You need to consider what responsibility I have and what kind of generosity I have. And imagine how much experience of God's blessings we will, we will be able to enjoy to support people and things outside of here. We start here. We start here and we start generosity here. We start uh, stewardship here. And let's watch how God um, will bless and allow us to do things that we never thought possible. So don't think in minimums. Think it's all his. And for some people, you know, it might mean, you know, you might be overextended right now. And maybe you need to relook and re-examine to where your, your finances are going. and Because everything is just so sucked up. And it's not bringing joy to you anyways. And so maybe you need to be looking at doing life a little bit differently. Be generous. Be giving. Why? Because it all belongs to the Lord. We get a right heart. We get that right passion uh, for people. That, Lord, take my time. Take my talents. Take my treasures because it's for your kingdom. And then one more T. Everything, uh, and, and sorry, this one has to do with attitude. This last T is tone. Generous with your tone. So generous with your time, your talent treasure, and tone. So doing the things with the right heart. It'd be easy to do a message today and then, you know, push people to serving or giving, but no, you got to have the right heart. You can't just do it out of compulsion. We have to do it because we know what God has done for us. The serving that we do, the, the giving up, the surrendering that we do, it has to come with the right heart. It has to come with the right tone. It's not... Look at me, look what I've done. Rather, Lord, look what you've done. And I surrender as a result of this. I'm going to do this with the right tone for your honor, for your glory, Lord, that you might be lifted up, and that Jesus Christ, you would be exalted, that you would be seated on your throne, and I would be seen as a servant who is lovingly relinquishing, giving it up, letting it go. There's a lot of people that want to serve, but they don't have the right tone. They don't do it from the right heart. So let's make sure we have the right heart. Not because the surrender gets us into a right relationship with God, but because of our relationship. Because God has changed our heart. He has replaced our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. Let's live it out for his fame and for his glory. So what? So what is the point to all this, Benji? What is the point of all this today? What's the big picture here? Church, everything you have, everything you are, everything that you hope for, it's all the Lord's. 
And so how are we demonstrating generosity out of what God has poured out on us? How are we stewarding our, our finances well to the glory of God? How are we stewarding our time, our talents, our treasures well? Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. See what the Lord has done here. Who would have thought, you know, we would have rented a facility like this? Amen? Thank the Lord. Thank the generosity of what God did in this church and what was poured out and how we are seeking to be generous, how we are seeking to be good stewards of what God has given to us because it's all His anyway. We're trying to model what we can do for this community, for this church. But what about you this morning? What's God laid on your heart this morning as you consider being a good steward? being generous to your fellow brother and sister in Christ. Maybe it's your treasure. Maybe you're thinking, hmm, maybe I can get to 10%, but you should be thinking God has 100% of it. I love the person who asked, uh, do I tithe based on my gross or my net income? That's an indicator of the heart, by the way. You know, how little can I give to God so that he'll be okay with it? You see, the tone is in, in the, the wrong place. Do you want God to bless you on your gross or your net income? It's all his. It's all his anyway, church. So a little shameless advertisement for a sec. We have an offering box at the... Uh, in the so if God has really... No, and I challenge you, church. This is not a joke. If God has really put it on your heart that I need to be more faithful in this, in stewarding well, in, in being more generous, then I challenge you to give. Allow God to work in your heart on that. But it's not about money. It's about your treasure. It's about um, where your stuff, where, where, where your heart is in the matter and the gifts that God has given to you. Will you use those things to serve him? You know, we've been blessed with so many things. And so how will I bless others is the, the question for you. Here's what I know for sure. You can't serve God and you can't serve stuff. You can't serve God and you can't serve stuff. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is also. Church, we are called to be good stewards of God's grace. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the reality of the blessings that you have poured out on us in this land, Lord. We have so much, God. And Lord, we think these crazy thoughts of, Lord, this is mine, and this is mine, and this is mine, Lord. I pray that we would get out of that mindset, Lord, and understand that it all belongs to you, God. That we don't own any of it, Lord, but that we are to steward it, that we are to manage it well to your glory. And so God's Teach us, Lord, to be generous. Father, would you work in the hearts of, of people in your church that stories will be told of Plus Life Church saying, look what they've done. God has used them as instruments of peace, Lord. Look at the generosity that is poured out. And Lord, may some of those stories be public, but Lord, I pray, God, that, uh, you know, we, we may not know all those stories, Lord, but that in eternity we will have that revealed, God, that your grace was working in our church. Father, I pray, God, that we would take a look at our time, our treasure, our talents, Lord, and 
do some rebalancing, God, if it needs to happen. If we need to give more than, than the 10%, the minimums that we've been giving you, God, I pray, God, that heart change would happen this morning, God. That you would stir in us a passion to, to live out, God, the things that we've learned from your word this morning. God, give us the right tone in all this, the right heart in all this. That lives would be changed by the power of your gospel this morning. We ask all these things knowing that you go before us and that you'll have your way in Jesus' name. Pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that you were blessed by the sermon today. If you would like to learn about the gospel or know more about our church, please visit pluslifepeople.com. Remember to subscribe for more content. Until next time, stay blessed.